0: And welcome to the Northview Podcast. Yep, that's right. It's not Darcy. It's not Greg. It's Steiger the Tiger. Bam. How did Bam. Mic drop right there. How did I get that nickname? Steiger the Tiger. I First how off, it Stiger rhymes. Name. And then second of all, um, I'm like a tiger. And in how fact, so? uh, so? in yeah. fact, Jeremy Lobdell, <coughs> it. Jeremy Lobdell, in fact, like, who, informed me. Who is the for, was a former, former teaching associate. Teaching uh, associate. Yeah. Informed me that my eyes resemble a tiger stone. Are you laughing, Jeremy? His <laughs> <laughs> trying. My eyes resemble a tiger stone. Did you know that Jeremy used to...
1: Tiger stone? What's or tiger something stone? like that. Oh. Did you know that Jeremy used to... You have the eye care- of a tiger? Yeah, exactly. The eye, eye of, of the
0: tiger. It? Jeremy Lobdell used to carry a very
2: long knife as well. He did. I just want you to know that. Yeah,
0: so he did compliment my eyes, but he and carries, he carries a, a knife. knife. Yeah. In any rate, I am hosting. I feel good about that. It's good to be here hosting. In fact, this isn't my first time hosting it I actually when I was doing my master's degree hosted a radio show in Los Angeles called the Apologics.com radio show and I even had Jeff and Kyle which are here today in fact maybe we should just mention who's here Jeremy's here Jeff Jeff and Kyle here hello (laughs) (laughs) Jeff and Kyle are here Mm. hello that's it no, and that's right. We were on your.
2: We were on the radio show, and it was like at midnight. It yes, like midnight is I recall
1: to, to two a.m. or something.
2: That's we right. Were, we it was Midnight
0: there. to two a.m. We were doing this radio show, and of course, it's the first. Like Jeff, Kyle, and I, is like we had barely had met at this point. We were. They were doing their doctoral study. I was working on the book, and we're in L.A. The book. It's now called the, the book. <laughs> <laughs> and we're in L.A. And I. We do this radio show together. And, of course, they have some new engineer that totally screws the whole intro up. You guys remember this? Oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm starting the show, and he, all of a sudden, I see him. See, there's this glass window. I see him leave the, the sound booth, like engineer <laughs> room thing, races over, comes into the studio, frantically begins <laughs> turning switches on and off. And then, do you remember that he began to pound yeah. one of the main machines. Yeah. <laughs> just, with his fist. With his he, fist. He begins to pound it. And I think to myself, that, that can't be good. <laughs> no, it wasn't good. And, uh, so we find out later that he had turned some switch so that it was yeah. just dead space for a significant period of time. <laughs> Nobody heard any. and it, or, so, the, so the 30 people who were listening at the beginning <laughs> just weren't. Right. We're not sure what they heard, actually, because we kind of wonder if he cut that first so that nobody could hear him banging on (laughs) on the machines. But at any rate, he was fired the next week. Was he? Yeah, he was. You were responsible for his firing. Absolutely not. Uh, He apparently messed up a couple other radio shows, too. Oh, yeah. And uh, the dude just, he just didn't have what it took, apparently. But, uh, yeah, that was classic. That was classic.
1: At any rate. I've messed up a podcast recording a couple years ago, and...
0: And you're still, here. still here. That's they the kind just, of, how that's the you, kind how of grace of the
1: show. I, I didn't turn it on. Yeah, it was hard. To record. I mean, I thought it was recording, but then, like. Hmm. Man, even Half an intern do. can do this. Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah. Speaking of, Jeremy, I watched the 200th podcast and I saw your computer, but I don't think I ever saw you. Nope. You on saw the, the screen. Back of, a, of the left side of my head. That's okay. about it. You never that, were visually seen. Is <laughs> no. that strategic? That's how an that intern should be. I so. I don't know. You're like the mystery person. You're real, but you're never seen. Mm-hmm. It's like Columbo's wife.
2: Well, there's a dated reference. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch Columbo? Columbo is well, my nin- favorite was was TV that, detective. Wasn't that in the
1: 1970s? Oh, yeah, and 80s and 90s and 2000s. So you're like he a five-year-old oh, watching man. Columbo. No, well, no, no, I just
0: saw reruns. All right. Hey, uh, question for you guys. What's been going on in the news lately caught your attention? You're like, you got to be kidding me! Oh, you got to be kidding me! In the
2: news, yeah. Well, I shared one of the things this this week weekend about Memories Pizza in the states that got death threats for their for them being uh, apparently a pizza shop that wouldn't cater a gay wedding. I thought that was ridiculous that somebody would get death threats <laughs> for that kind of thing. <laughs> that's that's pretty crazy. I, I also uh, this weekend read. Uh, an article uh, where, in the New York Times, they were interviewing some uh, lawyers, and apparently a a number of um, high-profile lawyers and law um, groups, companies, will not uh, defend anyone who has a traditional view of marriage in the U.S., because because it'll bring such discredit to them in, in their field. So it's like you're a pariah now, apparently, if you hold those viewpoints. And so you have to go to the smaller law firms if there's somebody, you know, for example, if you're, uh, I mean, if, if you hold a view that, uh, that isn't, you know, in line with the, the, the current orthodoxy of the culture, <clears throat> you have to, there's, you're going to have a hard time finding a, a really high-functioning or not high-functioning, like a high-powered lawyer or attorney to represent you in any kind of legal case. Wow. Pretty crazy.
0: That is that is in in, in crazy, and then oh sorry I read too wow many things oh yeah Jeff there's, reads a lot of no news. but hold
2: on there's this guy outside of Philadelphia there was this lady who wanted to see her boyfriend but she had a special needs child and a handicapped son and they she left him in the woods with a blanket and uh, yeah a blanket and some and a drink and she left him there alone in the woods with a blanket and a drink and um, Went to see her boyfriend. Wow. She just dropped him off so that the wolves could could babysit. I'm not kidding. Actually, that actually happened. Wow.
0: Only in America, right, Andy? Only in America. (laughs) Only in (laughs) America. Well, uh, uh, this one actually isn't in America. This was in Japan. A a man was arrested this last week for. prostitution in the Philippines with with a minor but when they arrested him and then they began <laughs> to look through his computer they they couldn't believe what they were finding and this guy ended up confessing to um, paying for sex 12,000 times that he had over since the 1970s had been going to the Philippines that's ridiculous paying for sex that he he had slept with over 12,000 one of the worst things that I've
2: ever done or been been a bit near has uh, been, when I went to Thailand, when we, we the were there, Andy and, I and I were there, there together. together, and we were just near um, San Road, I think is what it's called, down in Thailand, and you saw that we were on, the, Africa, we were on, we were on a
0: train. It wasn't San Road. that that That's where all those backpackers were. It was farther down, like Patpong. Patya. Patya, Patya. But I remember being on the train, and there was a bunch of people come,
2: m- m- these older mil- military guys, uh, maybe 50-, 60-year-old guys, with these little, little young Thai girls, and the guy who's with us was telling us, uh, "Yeah, that's these guys involved in the sex trade." There's unbelievable. Some, oh, there's just horrible stuff going, going on around treated. the world with the mm. sex trade. Okay, you have to have a more a light a lighter side, Kyle.
0: Just like um, the news, right? He's currently where they go from on the news? Where trying they to go find from? Something. Where
2: they go from some <laughs> horrible thing? And a lighter side, Bobo the baboon. Has had babies in the nearby zoo. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, I don't have anything that optimistic. You're the weather guy
2: who, right now who's supposed to do the lighter side.
1: But it, it's interesting when you do see and hear these intense news stories, they'll cut to, it, like it cuts to like a toothpaste commercial to get whiter, fresher, <laughs> whiter teeth and fresher breath. So it's just like, you know, we live in a, in a culture where Banal. we hear so much uh, and we have so much coming at us, it's hard to process and, and,
0: and really think through some of the yeah. important things. Right. So. Jeremy, the intern, you got anything? No news, but it's supposed to be sunny all the way till Saturday. You know what? Respect. So uh, I, got, I have just two things that I want to talk about. We got one uh, one question that came in that I thought was worthy enough for us to address, and uh, and then by the way, my intern John Rendell, um, God <laughs> bless him. He sends in a lot of questions. I was looking through all these questions. He sends in a lot. What is, what is John? I love you. What does he do? You ask a lot of questions. Other than send questions, they're, they're you know quick what he does? Yeah, though, right? yeah. So, yeah, they're unique. That is for sure. Just a uh, Quick question. By the way, one of the things I got to say this about my my intern John Rendell. I'm so proud of him. We were in uh, Maple Ridge Baptist Church this weekend. I was preaching there, and uh, and he asked one of the people there at the end if she could point him to a bathroom. To which she instructed him that the homeless shelter was across the street. <laughs> he, he, he was wearing his best duds. Right? Yeah, that is no word of a lie. They, they <laughs> mistook my intern for a homeless man. Well, that's why he shaved
1: a day later, right? He did.
0: Today he shaved, and he's actually uh, cleaned up a bit. But, uh, yeah. We're, but he we're, went to church looking like a complete slob. Yeah. That's pretty, what you're saying. Pretty much, that's what I'm saying. Okay, hadn't washed in a few days. Yep. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, it was pretty ridiculous.
2: What, was I... Is that going somewhere? There's a girl who's going to marry him this His summer, question.
0: right? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, there actually is. Right. Yeah, he's engaged. Right. So she doesn't think he's homeless though, or does she? Apparently not. She she uh, she apparently likes this guy. Okay. But he, you know what, he's great. We appreciate him. Thanks for all the questions, John. <laughs> we won't answer any of them. No, not one of them. So this question came in and, and I you know I I actually identified immediately with this question cuz I had the same question. And and this is this was what was asked. I was wondering What decisions were made when the when you decided on the photos for the cover of the Jesus said what sermon series? Uh, And I got to say, when I first saw the banners myself, I was like, "Ah." And the the criticism here is because. Well, and so I'm going to continue on here. I have heard Jeff talk about how one of Northey's goals is to be culturally relevant to our community. Mm. I found it odd that all the pictures were of generally young white people. Half of which were in business attire. Maybe I've seen too many Canadian ads, but I was surprised not to see any Indo-Canadians, Vietnamese, Korean seniors, or other more varied faces. Uh, um, I was thinking uh, African Americans. Well, but there's one. There is one. There's
2: There's one. There's a black guy in it.
0: Yeah, there's. We do have one. Mostly,
2: mostly. He's right though. Mostly white, young, urban professionals, and one black guy in the corner so the 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 the, the listener asked any comments yeah comment uh, totally my fault the way that these things are made is that one of uh, one of our guys who's very gifted um, media guy he puts together a series of different banners that um, we might be using for the next series. He sent me the copy of this one. I really liked the concept and um, just made a quick pass. Should have put, made more of a pass. It's not his fault at all. He was, he was working with a lot of stock photos. That's usually what happens. He, he just put the stock photos in different arrangements around, around the place. And um, I don't think that there were that many stock photos of other ethnicities with that particular face on them. And, uh, shocked, so he, and he, yeah, shocked and surprised. Yeah, shocked and surprised. So they ended up, he ended up putting them together. I said, this looks like a really, it's a clever idea. Here's a bunch of shocked and surprised people with Jesus said what in the middle. We printed the banners. They went up. And then immediately our <laughs> our missions guy, Darcy, who's usually here on the podcast, was like, uh, you do know that there's only white young people on that thing, except for the one guy in the bottom corner, the, the black guy in the bottom corner. I said, yeah, just like Northview. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. Ke- ke- it's not. No, so the point that the emailer is making is absolutely true, and it is not. Daryl, it's my fault. I totally take the onus on that one. So when you see them, you can blame Jeff and say that. But but it was not. It was not d- deliberate. Believe me. It, but it, but you're absolutely right to say that this is the kind of way that you can speak the language of the community, and we
0: just didn't do very well there. It was interesting though. I was talking to Steve Kim. He works with Apologetics Canada. And attends here at Northview. He's uh, Korean, and I asked him. I said, Did, <coughs> "Did you notice?" And and he he didn't notice. Yeah. So there you go. Well, there are equal. He numbers. will now. <laughs> he Everybody will knows now. Like, look at that <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah.
1: There equal number of male compared to female. Yeah. The male female ratio is yeah. the same. Yeah. So. No. Still, well, at least I, we got that right. I, in
2: retrospect, I would have changed the uh, yes. Would have changed it.
0: Well, we we got another question here that that came in during our leadership breakfast. Kyle, you just want to tell people a little bit about our leadership breakfast that, that happens and who gets to go to that? Ooh, special group. Yes, yeah, so it's the, like a secret breakfast,
1: who, right, Kyle? <laughs> which is not connected to the secret church, which is. Uh, that you 24th, will hear about and hopefully <laughs> you seen at 6 p.m. to midnight, um, Secret Church. So this was Leadership Breakfast, which was not a secret. Neither is Secret Church a secret. But why uh, do they call it a secret then? It's a secret because in some parts of the world, uh, people do have to meet in secret right. but do because you? of persecution. But, but you... we don't. Okay, so it's a but marketing in order, point then. In order, to, <laughs> in order to, to, to connect ourselves with the persecuted church right. in a more real way and pray for them, um, the, the event is called Secret Church. even though. Are 50, we still
0: talking about Secret Church? 50,000. <laughs> Sorry, I zoned out. I zoned back in. I'm and just kidding. <laughs>
1: kidding. Um, Andy's book will not be for sale at Secret Church. Um, but if you want to hear God's word and uh, and, Whoa. and thinking through. Oh, no, no, not oh, not that Andy's book doesn't have God's word. Unbelievable. no, no. no. Okay. Back up a little bit. Um, secret church, since it was brought up. Um, <laughs> More secret church. God's word uh, for six hours. Um, prayer for the persecuted persecuted church. And the topic is Christ, culture, and a call to action. So how can we as Christians be engaged with our culture who thinks we're crazy? What day is it? It's Friday the twenty fourth. What, what time? time? April at what? six p.m. <laughs> Where? Here at, here at Northview. How much is it? It's ten dollars for snacks and coffee and a nice workbook that you'll have to take with you, because um, afterwards all of it's posted. And online. you will be you can, there. I'll be there. Do you have to be a particular age to be a part of this? No. If you want to come and listen to God's word and
0: I've gone soak before. That in. It's awesome yeah. and people of all ages. And, yeah. And people from different churches come too. Yeah. Right. Yep. So there's the pl- there's the plug.
1: There's my plug for Secret Church. But so the leadership first. Leadership, leadership. first. <laughs> So Leadership Breakfast is an effort to gather a lot of leaders, a lot of volunteers who serve at our church together to um, tackle a topic together that that our culture is wrestling with, that we're wrestling with as a church. So the general question of sexuality was addressed. uh, last, uh, this past Saturday. Um, and we had food because food's always a good thing to bring people together. Um,
0: including bacon. Yeah. And the sausage was delicious. It was. Mm-hmm. it was, but so we had a panel discussion and then at the end we took questions Now we weren't able to answer all of the questions. So we thought we would bring some of those questions here to the podcast and we would look at some of those. So we're going to look at one and, and this is the question. What are your thoughts on the Duger? Is that right? Duggar. Uh, Duggar families. Culturally restrictive policy on bare minimum physical contact in a dating relationship. So somebody give like – Kyle, you know a little bit about the Duggar family because you watch TLC
2: an awful lot,
1: right? Um, actually, I don't watch you spend TLC. A, you spend a lot of time <laughs> watching lie, TLC Kyle.
2: and Honey Boo Boo <laughs> and what's, what's the what's the other storage wars,
1: right? <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so I don't Deadliest Catch, your, your Ice Truckers. The Duggars have, uh, or had, or I don't know if they still do, a reality TV show. They have lots of kids, and so it's a reality TV show about a family with lots and lots of kids. Like how many kids? Well, how, I don't know how, they're, how many that's they're at 17? now.
2: Seventeen from one cho- from one mother. Yeah, I believe. It's so, not like yeah. a Brady bunch. There's no Brady bunch. This is like one family with seventeen children. Yeah.
0: Okay. And apparently they have a minimum contact. Like, do you know what that amount of I'd, contact is? So, I think one of their daughters who just got married recently, uh, her and her boyfriend, fiancé, did not kiss until their wedding day. Wow. So, do you know, uh, the book... Uh, Jeff, question for you. Well, hold on.
2: Elizabeth Elliott's book, do, do you know which one I'm talking about? Nope. Uh She and Jim Elliott, uh, that was a story about them as well. Jim Elliott was a missionary to the Alka Indians yeah. and died in a riverbank because they killed him. Elizabeth was his wife. He remarried later. And it, Actually, it's called Passion for Purity. Passion and Purity, yeah. Um, and that book was the first time I had ever heard of that sort of thing happening. Um, it, Whether it was a cause or not, I, I know that there was a blossoming kind of um, genre of literature for a while there where it seemed like there were a few authors, Josh Harris being Probably the chief one. who started talking about um, courtship as a as an approach to as a, as an alternative to dating, <clears throat> and it was taken up. And I hope this is fair. I'm looking at Kyle. I'm, I hope this is fair. It's taken up a lot a lot by homeschool families. I mean, it seems um, like that's been where it's it's had a very. And I'm not. That's not to put it down or up or whatever. Saying it's more faithful or left. I just that's where I've heard a lot of the stuff about courtship. Can you, do you know a bit about what, what courtship means?
1: Yeah, so courtship was an effort to think about, um, and try to think practically and especially biblically about what it means to quote unquote date or what, what should that relationship look like in our culture the way it is. I mean, with um, a lot of culture through a lot of history, different peoples have done arranged marriages and that to our ears sounds totally crazy, um, but it has some advantages. In that, well, your parents uh, you, know you your, your better. Fam- yeah, your family's involved. Your parents are involved. Um, it it takes it lessens the oh, how am I going to find the right girl? Or how am I going to find the right guy? When am I going to run into them? When how are we going to meet and how are we going to connect? And and it, it takes some of those anxieties away. Um, uh, the way I look at it, no culture is you know every culture has its maybe strengths and weaknesses, advantages, disadvantages in this question. So then the question becomes, well, how do we maximize Know, biblical faithfulness uh, within whatever culture we are, whether it's the uh, prearranged marriage kind of culture yep. or our culture, which Dis- know, reacts against that and thinks that's, you know, every, uh, almost not every, but a lot of Disney movies, we'll so bring that up again. It's, um, you know, rea- Reaction or Rejection from the Brave was one movie recently where the prearranged marriage was. Well, Titanic, was just like, man. That's just stupid. That's so, you know, old fashioned. And this was a movie in Scotland, Brave, and I think the. I don't know, 11th century or something. Yeah. You have the, the heroines you know, standing up and saying, this is dumb. Yeah, which she never would have done in right, 11th right. century so, Scotland. Um, but. but regardless of the kind of structure, the question is, well, how do we best navigate within this structure to be faithful? So is
2: it fair to say that the, per, the person who's arguing for courtship is saying that we shouldn't take our cues from Disney, and we shouldn't take our cues from a culture, Western culture, that has this myth of the one, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. the soulmate which it, it seems to, is nowhere, certainly nowhere in the scripture, and certainly, honestly, make,
1: makes no sense at all. that is yeah, where that you, there's you this, meet and your eyes connect, and all right. of a sudden there's this magical yep. moment where you both know yeah. that this is... And so this is a yeah.
2: Western fantasy, and it's, it's it's you know, propagated by, by film, largely, and, you know, our stories that we tell, I, you know, love at first sight and whatever. So they're saying, don't take your cues from that, take your cues from... Scripture, but that's where I'm like, well, where in Scripture is courtship taught to say the, that the, it, that it is the way, thou, thou shalt not kiss before thine marriage, thou shalt make sure yeah, so the, that,
1: that you court. Yeah, Scripture doesn't demand any type of Arranged, pre arranged or just find yourself a Do many type of the people of who hold to yet,
2: courtship though hold that view, or do they say no? This is a more biblically faithful approach to dating.
1: Uh, I don't know. I haven't okay. have surveyed I th-
0: them. One of the things though that I think is um, important that the Bible does talk about in principle, and is one of the things that I actually encourage our young adults with, and that is that the purpose of dating or courtship or whatever that might be is marriage. Yeah. And so if you aren't prepared to get married to somebody, you shouldn't be dating them. Yeah. And as soon as you find out that you wouldn't marry that person, right. you should break up with them. Mm. So but your approach there is different because so so somebody who's going with courtship is would agree
2: with what you just said there and that's why they would say well that's why you should court that's what you're declaring when you court somebody, you're declaring, I want to get to know you with a view toward marriage. Right. And I
0: think I, I and what I'm but saying is that's how you should, make,
2: you should make sure then they would follow. They, you should make sure it's not just courtship, but you should yeah. make sure then that you don't kiss or have any kind of very, very limited physical contact prior to uh, marriage. Now, so that's the question that's being asked. Is that right. whether or not our history here is any good or not? That's that's in my experience with it has been about the, this debate has fallen within this this the wider debate of
0: courtship yeah. versus dating and all this sort now, of stuff. So I would say then, first, so first just to clarify, I think personally I think that's actually how our culture uses the word dating is much more of a courtship idea. I mean anything other than that is just friends like so unless you unless it's some sort of friends with benefits thing but really if you're dating you, you're, your goal should be marriage and I think this is something that that okay. so there's that so then there's a corrective but that's a dating. cultural corrective that you would right.
2: say that we need to bring to our cultures to say you know what uh, we need to replace we, we need to re-understand dating in its proper context which is you are trying to find a
0: spouse exactly got it so in that context then the question is well how how should that look how much physical contact should there be and and it, one of the things that i find interesting is for me the question was even more it was even bigger than that so for example uh, when nancy and i first started dating uh, i told is her this is a story that i want to know yes okay because well i'm not sure <laughs> so i told nancy that i only planned on telling the person that i wanted to marry that i loved her and so for me there, there was it was there was a bigger boundary than just kissing the for me, there was a, a boundary of the heart. Like, how, what would I say to you and what kind of things wouldn't I say to you during the dating process? So when did you drop the L word? You know, I, I actually told so, her that so I loved on, her. Hold on,
2: before, before you say that, yeah. you sound very dualistic to me, so maybe you should clarify. Okay. You, so it doesn't
0: matter what you do with your body as long as your heart, as long as you don't say, I love you. No, I haven't gotten there yet. Okay. No, I, what I'm saying is is it's a bigger issue than just when should we kiss. I'm th- I'm saying... It's more than just physical. There's also this um, emotional attachment that takes place too that, right. I, that I think we do the same thing, kind of thing the way, the way we talk with one another. So, but let, me, so let, me, let me get there. for it. So to answer the question, I told Nancy that I loved her when I asked her to marry me. Did you kiss her before you told her you loved her? Well, and that's what the, this was the question I was going to ask you when we first got okay, into this right. thing, is how long when you start dating so what, Jeannie wait, I thought I asked until the you kiss her? I'll, I'll answer it. Hey, Jeremy, did you hear me ask a question? I thought I asked one. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm going to answer it, but I was asking you the same question. <laughs> I kissed Nancy three months into dating. What? Absolutely. And it was on Valentine's Day, I believe. Yeah.
1: Oh, such a romantic.
0: Exactly. Oh. And uh, I was, had no problems was with holding moon, hands or kissing. Was the moonlight just so? No. Okay. It was actually a cloudy night, but
2: <laughs> <Okay>. whatever.
0: <laughs> what about you? Come on, Jeff. Oh, dude, I, I
2: laid one on my, my, my wife the first on the first date. Did you really? No. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Yeah. You know what? Okay, so here's my... Uh, well, my no, sorry, be, I'm sorry. Did I ask a here's, question? Here's my story. No, I'm sir. Here's my story. I, I actually... It's funny that this should be asked because I held kind of that view because of Elizabeth Elliot's book and its popularity. And it, there was this sort of feeling around... I came from the mainline church, and so I was really trying to be a good evangelical where they have all these different kind of subcultural expectations about dating and stuff like that. So I came... And I thought, well, I, I need, I want to honor. I, it was really a good reason. I wanted to honor women, and I wanted to honor God. And I was like, okay, so what does that look like? And I, you know, Elizabeth Elliot's what it looks like, right? You don't kiss until you get um, either you're married or, or when you get engaged. And so I, I uh, was committed to to that until uh, she just she just looked too good, and so. <laughs> and so so I had to lay one on her. That
0: uh, a boy. Exactly how long dating? Though.
2: Oh, man. It would have been a while, though. It, it, was, a, it was a while. So we, we waited a while before, Two weeks. before the kissing. No, no, more long than long three years, months? More than months. Yeah, it was, it was quite a while. But so, you so me but, a floozy? <laughs> so I, I, what I'm saying is that our experience is not necessarily normative, or should it be? Uh, you know, I think the question is a good one. I, I personally have a, a bit of a... Um, realistic challenge with the the Duggars. I think that it's an, it, wonderful. If you are sitting there and you say, you know what, I'm just not going to kiss anybody, any 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 boy, if I'm a girl, and girl, if I'm a boy, I'm not going to kiss anybody like that until I get engaged or married. Uh, God bless you. I think that's awesome. Mm. I, I really do. I don't yep. think that this is a – I don't of think that there's a biblical – Command here. I think that the danger is you're just trying to. Uh, Except for the obvious, you well, shouldn't be having el- sex before marriage. Right, but you're you trying to eliminate. Should be pushing the boundaries. You're on trying that. to eliminate temptation. So the pushing yeah. the boundaries usually the question people ask in this is how far can I go? Right, and I think my response. And baseball in, gets thrown in that somehow. In these, yeah, yeah, well. and then you have these bases and things. So I, I, my response is usually this is really the wrong question. The right question is what, what should I do to honor Christ? What, what does it look like for me as a Christian brother or sister to honor my sister or brother and protect her or him if this doesn't work out, right? Because there's a, there's a real possibility that you won't marry each other. So I don't want to leave no. her or him with any baggage. That's, that's, loving, that's what it means to be a loving brother or exactly. sister in Christ. Add but it the, if it does work out, I also want our marriage to start off on the right grounds and I don't want to break any of God's laws regarding sexuality and, and his commands. And I don't want to put myself in a situation where that's going to be hard. I have a dozen different friends who've approached that a dozen different ways, some with more success than others. But this is a very good conversation to be had between your friends yeah. about, right, help me figure out where I can draw some lines for myself and my girlfriend or my boyfriend uh, so that we're not, you know. And, and, and I honest, guess
0: my point is is that there's more boundaries than just the physical. Like and so like that's why I was getting that with the heart boundaries with saying to somebody that you love yeah. them or what you do say. Even in fact, I counsel young adults not to have devotionals together or right. these committed times of right. intense I, prayer together. Be,
2: be with groups of people usually yeah. early on. If you can, if you can spend less alone time, that's good. I know that's crazy in our culture. You're not supposed to be all alone. And just you know what, spend less alone time at the early yeah. stages of relationships. You can get to know each other quite well in groups. And I, I think that that's a, that's a good protective. I think that there are other good protectives. If you start declaring that you, yeah, we're, we're dating, we're a couple, things like that, I think you need to ratchet it up a little bit in terms of your, uh, you know, willingness to be open with people about, you know, the struggles that you might have. You need mm-hmm. to have a good brother and sister with you, I mean, in Christ I mean, with you who you can walk through with that. I, I think that this should be a conversation that we, we're willing to have. With each other, instead of hiding behind the the, the 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 curtains and being freaked out if if we feel like we've gone too far or too you know these sorts of things.
0: Well, I
1: have yeah the yeah, the, the the whole okay. you know being groups of people is really helpful I think because you can see how that person is interacting with other people and um, and that's just a better context for your own growth and your own um, yeah understanding of who you are as a man in God's image or a woman in God's image and as you grow through the teenage years and young adult years and um, yeah, as you're seeing who God may bring up across your path as a marriage so, partner.
2: So we're saying it's okay for, the, for you to have a, a Duggar law, right. as long as it's a Duggar law for you. See, my fear here is that you're going to end up being a Duggar law and say, well, that's, that's the law for everybody. And like, if you, you want to be a faithful Christian, you're going to do it our way. And that's where I say, no, actually, that's not true. It's just that if you choose not to do it their way, you need to set it, some other boundaries up for yourself and Christianity, so you, yeah. there's a
0: playground yep. that you can play within this, right. and uh, and you need to work that out. Right. Have mm-hmm. grace for people who right. are, are different places in that sandbox. Right. Uh, you brought
1: up uh, passion, purity. Elizabeth Elliot's book. There's a quote in that that says, "Of all things difficult to rule, none were more so than my will and affections." So it's it's more than just physical, but mm-hmm. the physical is tied the to the to the heart.
0: Well, is it, you sure? i yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Okay. Can we put this one to rest? Can I uh, move on to our final question? I, think we,
2: should put, I th- we should put this one to rest, except I haven't heard Kyle's story. Although I kind of, oh, okay. I've kind yeah, i heard it before. Dude, the first time he ask. saw Rebecca, he went up and he just slapped a, a kiss
0: right on her. <laughs> Big wet one? Said, come here, honey. <laughs> okay, no, no, come on, Kyle. No, no, okay. Did you kiss before yeah. marriage and how long until you kissed? Um... Yes, and I, I don't remember the
1: exact time frame of things because I'm. Must horrible not have been all that. Directions. Do you remember how long you've <laughs> so, been married? But the first time Rebecca and I. Well, we've been married 18 years. oh okay. The first time Rebecca and I met each other, um, long story short, she she left that meeting thinking I was um, a self absorbed, obnoxious jerk. That's exactly what I thought the first time <laughs> I met you. Wow. That is,
0: what odds are that?
1: So, and God's Providential and comedic rule of the universe. She Are you ended up kidding me? me. Are she you thought you yeah. were a self-absorbed, obnoxious
2: jerk. Kyle, I don't know if anybody who've ever met you in their life who felt that way about you. Um, were you trying to put on? Were you trying to put on a bit of a show? Were you? <laughs> you, you liked her, and you were like, okay, I got, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to really show her what I got here.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, so we were both uh, we we're both at the same university. We, we went to the same school. Uh, we both were playing sports there. We both had injuries. I had a bad ankle injury. She had, was recovering from knee surgery. And we ended up in the... She played volleyball. I played basketball. We ended up in the training room. She know, liked we, peanut butter. <laughs> I like chocolate. I love it. We we end up in the training room. And the trainer... We're the only two there except the trainer. But he gets up and leaves for some reason. So we're on opposite ends of this training room. I have my foot in this uh, whirlpool. I'm doing a... Hot and cold contrast. My foot trying yep. to get the swelling down. She's on the other side. of the training room Are we getting to, to the exercise. kiss or where no, no, are we on, in no, no, the story? The, so, next,
0: the next thing that so, happened
2: was, how you doing? <laughs>
0: <laughs> is there going to be a back rub happening soon? I mean, this no, is no, ridiculous.
1: No, I'm trying to say. So she starts to, she thinks it's kind of an awkward thing for two people to be in the same room and just kind of not talking. So she tries, she's a very friendly, outgoing person. She tries to talk with me. I'm a little bit grumpy. Plus... The noise of the hot tub, the bubbles from the hot tub I put my foot in and the ice bath, contrast bath, going back and forth, the noise of the hot tub, I couldn't hear her really well. So I'm being very Um, non-responsive. Plus, I'm in a bad mood. Um, So this is why she she thinks you're a jerk. She tries – she asks me all these questions. I just say yes, no, uh uh-huh, yep, kind of thing to her. And so, you know – I don't know, 20, 30, 40 minutes go by, we're doing this to train. Wow, you're just giving
2: her yeses and no's for 20 or 30, 40 minutes. Well, after a while she just gave up because Uh, the trainer came back.
1: See, exactly. Wow. That's why she thought, and then she then she came to a Bible study and saw that the jerk jerk from the training room is leading a Bible study on this campus. Uh, What have I got myself into? (laughs) And, And the
2: rest is history. Yep. Two children later.
0: Well, that was way longer than I wanted or expected. Thanks, Kyle. No problem, Andy. That.
1: Anytime. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have, uh, we have like a little bit of time left. Oh, yeah. uh, I have one last thing that I really wanted to get to. Okay. And this is the thing that I wanted to talk about the most about, but we have the least amount of time for but let's just jump into it anyways. I received an email, and it, it actually works out perfect though, because the guys that are here are the ones that I, I think are the perfect ones to talk on this subject. Right. I got an email recently from uh, the president of CBC, uh, Brian Bourne, great guy, love him and he asked me he, he said he said andy i've noticed that there's so many negative blogs right now about why young adults are leaving the church mm-hmm. and he was just saying i think that we need to talk about why young adults are not leaving the church and he was saying that when he came to northview he noticed that we have a lot of young adults mm-hmm. and uh, and so lately i've been just putting together my thoughts on why I, why young adults are not leaving the church in fact over, that's how, For people who don't know, that's why I started Apologetics Canada, was I saw the stats that were out there and just felt like something needed to be done. But I, on an encouraging note, over these last five years, I've seen the church make a lot of ground uh, back on this area. And so I've just kind of been putting down my thoughts on why that is. But before we get into it, and I want to hear, Jeff, Kyle, I want to hear your thoughts, and I'll share mine with why I think young adults will stay at church. But before I do that, I just wanted to point people's attention to... Um, a study that was done here in Canada called uh, Hemorrhaging Faith, and it was a survey that was done to determine just how many young adults are leaving uh, the church, and And they determined that it was about 90, 60 to 90 percent of our young people were leaving the church, depending upon uh, what denomination um, you found yourself in. But when they were interviewing these young adults, they found that there were four main categories that led to young adults leaving, but these are the same reasons why young adults Will stay. Um, so here, here they are. And if you, by the way, if you're interested in this, you could go to Apologics, uh Canada's website. And Steve Kim wrote a f- fantastic uh, synopsis of that report. Mm-hmm. The report's huge, but uh, shout out to Steve Kim. He did a great job making it uh, short and understandable. So the four are uh, parents, experience of God, community, and teachings and beliefs. Now we could get into these. But uh, I, I just want to throw that out there. why why do we think that young adults uh, are not leaving the church? can I can I make a couple of preliminary comments? Part of the reason i'm
2: I'm saying this is because this has a significant amount to do with what I did my doctoral dissertation on uh, hmm. emerging adulthood and as a new life stage and some of the issues surrounding that. Uh, before i I do want to give a bit of a warning about this that I sense in the Christian church right now that there is a certain amount of alarmism going on with this. Um, I think we need to recognize that there have been some cultural shifts over the last number of years that have led young adults to feel freer to report that they don't attend church and felt freer not to attend church. So Mm. 20, 30 years ago in Canada and the United States where a lot of these studies are being done, uh, the culture was such that if you didn't want to go to church when you're 22, you still went because it was culturally expected for you to do that, okay? Mm-hmm. If you grew up in the church, yes, you were part of that community. without a yeah. doubt. You were still expected to do that. If you wanted to get a good job, you still had to go to church. You wanted to be a part of a good group. Like you, you, Church attendance was still expected of you. Over the last number of years, what's happened in the culture at large is a, is, a, is an increasing secularization. And so as a result, it's, when, when somebody calls me on the phone and says, well, can you tell me what you are? Are you a Christian? Are you blah, blah, blah? Historically, you would have said, well, I am what my parents are, a Christian, but now you respond, and they even give you an option, none. They used to not give you those options. Now it's like, well, I'm a nun. So now when the reports come out, oh, look at the rise of the nuns. Well, the nuns have always been there, right. okay? They just went to church,
0: mm-hmm. Right.
2: <laughs> okay? They didn't believe. They sat in the pews and stuff. They didn't go to church until such a time in their life where they felt like they could have the freedom culturally not to go, which by the way, in the 1970s in the States, for example, was never, you always went. So a lot of unbelievers in the church. So, so let's understand that that some of, the, some of the numbers are inflated because of that. Second thing, uh, these reports are happening among uh, you know, 21, 22 year olds. We, we haven't actually kept track that much of how 21, 22, 23 year olds have acted toward their church for years. In fact, there's, there, the National Study of Youth and Religion in the United States is the first um, study that I know of that has tracked the same group of young adults now across a period of what will eventually be 15 years of their lives from when they're 13 till they're 28. And that will tell us a lot. They're doing the final study in that. There's two stages they've already done, one in the book called Soul Searching. And now, one, Souls in Transition was the second book, and now the third installment will be tracking the same group of people as they get into 28. There is a feeling among some of the authors of that study already that a lot of those who left in their, mid, in their early 20s, a lot of those young adults who left, are actually coming back to church when they have kids. And that's our experience at Northview. Yeah. Right, we get a lot of young, of people who have like a, a two year old or a one year old. Hey, we moved to Cal, to Vancouver for or Calgary, whatever. We moved away for a while, got involved in the city life, and it was so great, and we loved it and stuff. And now I've got a two year old. I, I I I don't have anywhere to take my kids, and I'm moving back to Abbotsford because I can, uh, you know, have a house.
0: And so I'm one of the things, ways they will word it to me as well as I've talked with different people at Northview that this has been their experience. Some of them will say, well, you know, as I reflect back on church, it was good for me and developed good morals, and I want my kids to have good morals, yeah. and and so they'll bring them to right. church right. For, for that reason. Right,
2: so they might not be believers or whatever, but right. church attendance becomes something. Because honestly, anybody who aren't. has ever had children knows yeah. that when that little guy, that little girl comes out, and you are thrust into a world that you think, oh, I can't do this because I don't have what it takes to make sure that this, this, this person stays alive, much less you know, has moral formation. I need to subcontract that, and the church is a good place for that. So my, my, my point is I, I think that some of these statistics will come back around. I'm not saying that I guarantee that because I still think that people are freer not to attend church now than they were in Kel- in, in generations gone by. But I don't want to be overly alarmist about no. it. I do think that the question, though, that you're asking is a good one. What is it that helps the faith is... be f- formed in the lives of this? But there's a great book called The Fabric of Faithfulness by Stephen Garber where he talks about this even prior to some of the studies that have been done in Canada, and he comes up with some very similar conclusions. One of the big ones that most of us don't realize uh, because the culture is telling us it's not true, is, is your parents. Yeah, that Parent, mom, parents are That huge. mom and dad and the consistency between belief and behavior in mom and dad is probably the strongest indicator of whether your children will continue in the faith or not. So in yeah. other words, if you're a hypocrite, don't count on them sticking around. Yeah. But if you genuinely believe who Jesus is, you live largely in light of that, the, the percentages are huge that your kids will maintain faith. And when I say huge, I'm talking like 80, 90% yeah. in in that realm. That doesn't mean everybody. Of course, there's lots of really faithful parents who are listening to me right now whose kids have walked away for a period. And I'm telling you that you need to have hope because lots of those kids come back.
0: Right, But the reality is here at Northview, we don't want people to leave. And come back. We want them to stay. Right. And one of the other things, too, that I should indicate is some one of the things that we've seen, particularly with me, with Apologetics Canada that I've seen, is the, some of these people that will come back, they'll come back with this idea that church is good for them. But then they'll hear this idea that church could actually be true, like that Christianity could actually be true. Yeah. And that really surprises them. And so there seems to be this disconnect between this idea that church is good for me and this idea that church is true. Mm. And one of the things that I find is when you come to church because you think it's good for you, I tend, those people tend not to be very committed, and they tend not to share their faith. Right. But those people who come to church because they believe it's true, right. it's a very— it's Right. So if you think it's just therapeutic,
2: yeah. then then yes, you you will be on the edge of the community all the time. But if you believe that it's actually real, that it's true—this is why apologetics is so important, ultimately, not just for those who don't believe yet, but— probably more so even for those who do believe because what apologetics is arguing is that this is actually reasonable and Jesus actually rose from the dead we can show that through evidence it's something that happened in history and you have to the best
0: explanation for that is that he is who he said he was and that means a lot yeah and what what we're finding then with uh with young adults is and I, you you said this with the whole therapeutic we there's there's a there's a religious belief that in our culture which is moralistic therapeutic deism mm. the reality is studies continually show that the vast majority of people believe that god exists mm. even in europe uh, in, but here in north america nine out of ten believe god exists right the atheist is i, I hate god and or, sorry, like there is no god and, there is no god and i hate him so, yeah. <laughs> yeah and but even those people i mean there's so actually few uh. but the but the question then is is well what kind of faith do they what kind of beliefs do they actually have <coughs> and it tends to be this very deistic kind of belief. God's out there. He created everything, but he's, you know, he's not really... Involved. He's really nice. He's
2: kind of a like butler, shows up when I need him and yeah. does the good stuff. Not really involved in my life. Yeah, he's sort of like a genie.
0: Yeah, unless I need him.
2: Yeah, yeah totally. I, he's on call. He's in the lamp if I need him.
0: But one of the things that I... in Because we don't got time to go through all these, the, but I, we mentioned the importance of parents, the importance of experiencing God, of course. But w- the one that I just want to camp on for a moment here before we conclude this podcast is the idea of community. My time here at Northview, I have been stunned by how important community is to young adults. And I've been kind of stunned because as I've met with our young adults and as I meet with young adults that come back to church, as I meet with young adults that are new to the faith, and I I always am dialoguing with them. You know, why didn't you come to church? Why Why did you come to church? You know, what's going on? Every single time, Every single time, the answer has been community, but in different ways. So, for example, why were you? Af- why didn't you come to church? I will hear repeatedly from our young outs because I was afraid. I was afraid. And a lot of young adults are absolutely terrified to come to church. And I was—
1: Afraid of what?
0: That was the thing that was going through my mind. Afraid of what? I was really quite perplexed by it, like a, thinking about it, trying to understand it. And, and tell— just recently, I was speaking in a, in a local prison, and I found that as I was talking to the prisoners and the chaplains, that the prisoners sounded a lot like our young adults. And here's my, here's my theory that I'm working on. I'm writing a blog on it, uh, but here's one of the things I've been thinking about. We find that prisoners get used to their cell, they get used to the walls, and they feel much more comfortable and safer inside the walls of the prison than they do outside in society. And they have a lot of fears about society, whether they'll make it there and about what they'll do outside those walls. And in fact, it's well known in prisons that people who leave will re-offend to get a comeback because they feel safer in prison. When I look at our young adults, I can't help but wonder how social media has shaped the landscape of ministry. And how many people have become much more um, much more comfortable behind the walls of their computer and in the digital realm, mm-hmm. and the fears of go, stepping outside that. And, and you ask, what are they afraid of? <coughs> well, it's, it's interesting. Face, they want community, face but to they're face, afraid face of the Face-to-face
2: community is your answer then. Yeah. You know, what you just described, though, is I mean, sociologists, particularly Peter Berger, He's using language like plausibility structures to talk about. So, why is it that you do what you do? Why is it that you believe what you believe? His answer would be because you have a plausibility structure for it. Kyle mm-hmm. actually wrote a really good paper about plausibility structures. What what are they?
1: They're um, it's similar to worldview and how you it's it's how you are affected by the culture and your surroundings to to shape how you view your culture and surroundings. Right. So it's it's what you think is normal. And how are they formed? How's a plausibility uh, form? So,
2: so, you're no, yeah, like so you think this is normal. Your history, you're growing right. up.
1: So like what you eat in a culture uh, is one example. And what you find detestable to eat, which other people may love to eat in another culture, is partly shaped by a plausibility structure. But this goes way beyond but our, it's, our, it's our what, diet. It goes into what we think is true. But the, reason that, you,
2: the reason that you don't eat that stuff is a good image, right? The reason you don't eat that stuff is because nobody else does. Yeah, right. So, so the point is plausibility structures are formed by the community, that you are a part of, and they are destroyed by other communities. So, so you're going to change what you eat. For example, if you move to France, all of a sudden you think snails are good.
1: Escargot. What?
2: Well, whatever. Or you move to Thailand, and all of a sudden Andy's eating scorpions all the time, and they think that it's a you know it's it's a great whatever. And he do, he thinks now that cinnamon buns are gour yuck, right. So my point is that the that the community around you the people that you hang out with, or better said, uh, the people who you want to admire you, you will do what they do. So one of the reasons that I think that young adults leave the church is because church going is just not thought to be cool by the community of young adults. There are other things that you should do. There's all sorts of things that, that I, most of the people I know who leave the church have made friends and spent a significant amount of time with people who don't attend church. Who have different a very different worldview than Christian than 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 that. In fact, I think that precedes their change of mind regarding the truth of something. The change the, the change of mind regarding, uh, you know, the philosophy of it. Absolutely. Everything starts with we who, are with Who they're journey. hanging out with. Absolutely. And I know that sounds really silly, but that's what essentially you're saying, that yeah. that and then if you end up getting used to being around those people all the time, they form a plausibility structure for you that precludes or just, you know, means safer, you, more comfortable, that, that doesn't have church yeah. in it. You would feel the same way if you moved abroad and started living
0: right, in another Right, whereas country. if you
2: spend time with people who go to
0: church, you will go to church. Now here's what things where get, things get interesting then, because when we ask our young adults, well, what's the most important thing about church? What, what thing do we got to get right or that was really influential for you to come and stay at church? And this was the answer that really kind of shocked me, and as a young adult, ministry we have just honed in on these this last uh last year and a half and the answer continually was that the most and i i we, i want to share this too just if there's any pastors out there listening to this podcast mm-hmm. most important thing that i think you can do right now to reach young adults in your church is your greeters uh you know, it, it's, I often think we want to say that it's your preaching or it's your worship or all this. And I, and, I, I, and I think in some ways, as a young adults pastor, that's what I wanted to hear the young adults say. Yeah. But repeatedly they would say, no, 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 it was the people who greeted me when I first came through the door. Mm-hmm. It was the people who broke through and helped me to feel comfortable mm-hmm. and to break my fears right. of coming into a new community. It was about a church then embracing and believing in community and stepping outside of our little cliques and, and making sure we're breaking those down and that they're welcoming new people into this mm-hmm. community. And uh, it's we, a good word. Yeah, we have found repeatedly how important that is. It's a good word. Well, why don't we close on that? Don't put Kyle in charge of that kind of thing, though,
2: because when people ask him questions, he just gives one-word answers and blames it on the hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't. How many I other know. people have you spent time with in a hot tub and you haven't responded No, no, we to? were in
1: the same hot tub. She was across the room. It wasn't even a hot tub. It was just like this small bubbling thing that, I mean, it wasn't like you couldn't, you couldn't, really couldn't put your whole body in it. It was just for, right.
0: Have like you your tried foot. to put your whole body? No, no. <laughs> were you in a Speedo when you, this was all happening? No, no, no. <laughs> I
1: was, uh, I had shorts and T-shirt on. Right.
2: But you had, the, you had you, you were flexing the muscles, though, right? Well, are they ever not flexed? <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> <probably> <laughs> not, <laughs> not in front of Rebecca. On that note...
0: Uh, Thank you for joining us at the Extra Podcast. We'd love to see you out at Secret Church. Wow, look
1: at that. Look at that.